You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to another episode of Solar Insiders and this is a special episode brought to you from Darling Harbour um, with my mate Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you Nigel? Fantastic. Giles? We've got a pretty nice view actually looking over Darling Harbour here. The, um, the final session's going on inside and, and we're outside looking at the sitting sun and blue water and... It's a beautiful Sydney day. It's, it's a beautiful a, winter day. Isn't it? It's a beautiful Sydney day and we're both wearing shoes. In fact, we've even got jackets on and everything, so um, yes. <laughs> Upmarket, very upmarket of this very show. Upmarket. Well, look, we had to pay a lot of money to come to this conference, <laughs> didn't we? Um, so we've been at the Clean Energy Summit, and look, congratulations to you, um, Nigel. Um, you got the Brownlow Medal for the Clean Energy Industry, Best and <laughs> Fairest on ground all year. The lady, um, the lady. Yeah, look, so um, the, cl- the outstanding contribution to, um, what was it? Industry. Industry. Outstanding contribution to industry, yep. Yep, very look, exciting. There was a big there, there, there was a big yell going out um, from across the room when you um, got nominated, or well, sorry, when you were announced as the winner last night, and um, thoroughly deserved. And um, geez, mate, twenty five years, and um, yeah, congratulations. That's just that's just fantastic. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, look, I, I um, uh, you know, <laughs> what do you say? It's pretty humbling, but um, you couldn't. Um, there are so many people who have, you know guided me and taught me things along the way so really it's a it's a credit to everybody it's a it's this this awards for everybody who i've ever talked to in solar oh that's fantastic and one of the 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 things that they mentioned yesterday was just your dedication to the industry your leadership and your mentoring and particularly your focus on quality craftsmanship and quality products and things like that and i think that's a really important thing to remember yeah yeah it's it's um you know the one thing that um uh, as I watched the industry grow in the early days, uh, quality wasn't such a big issue and to watch the industry grow was just a dream come true. Um, but then of course came the, the problems that went along with it. So for anyone who's been around for a while, like um, like so many people out there, you get, you get pretty passionate about trying to protect um, something that you've watched grow. It's like watching a child, um, you know, go off the rails a bit and you don't really want that. Yes, that sort of curling, that peeling thing of the sort of the upturn, up, upturn from the from, from the side of some dodgy modules. You don't want to see that at all. Yeah, but we yeah. but we do. Hey, look, there's a couple of other prizes went um, out last um, yesterday. In, um, yes, look, um, there was the innovation award. Um, amazingly, this did not go to the Tesla big battery. Um, and yes, North, and North was, I was a bit surprised by that. I thought that was a gong when I saw it on the stage, but no. Look, clearly the Clean Energy Council's learnt nothing about SEO um, search and things like that because if you put Tesla in your awards, you're bound to get lots of clicks on it. So, um, And it didn't go to the Sundrop um, solar farms, but it went to this really interesting project up at the Lockhart River. It's yeah. off-grid and just showing how you can use solar and other technologies to really just sort of thump down the bills um, from disadvantaged communities. So, um, look, a worthy a worthy winner anyway. A, re- a really worthy winner. And, and it just, I mean, it highlights really that there are still people in Australia who rely on diesel generation for electricity 
And they're paying a shitload. <laughs> they're paying a shitload. It's insane, right? So um, th- I think that's really where the value is in projects like this, right? Yeah. And look, there's another one too, the Business Community Engagement Award, which I think was another um, excuse to um, offer um, something for innovation. And this one went to the Bruni Island one done by Taz Networks. Mm. Um, I've got a mate just bought some land. He's going to build a beautiful house overlooking a bay in Bruni Island. And I'm going to go down and visit him very often, I think. <laughs> um, but this one was about sort of 40 different um, properties down there. Uh, they put solar and storage in there, and it's actually quite interesting. That basically means that they don't have to do any um, load reductions. It means that they don't have to upgrade the networks and the cables and stuff like that, which link to the mainland. So all in all, um, a pretty good idea. Yeah, excellent um, example of, of you know hybrid energy in a microgrid environment. There, there are applications like this um, still out there around Australia um, where this kind of technology is not only cheaper, but it provides better power and it delivers results results for consumers and it delivers results for the network so um, another great application Wor- worthy winners I think all around yeah no it was good it was a good evening and, and, and hopefully you didn't get tired too tired and emotional celebrating <laughs> afterwards <laughs> A little bit tired. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I am a little bit tired. <laughs> I have to admit. Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> look, um, let's think about some of the news elsewhere that happened um, during the week. Look, the one that struck me was an announcement from Western Australia, their new Labor government, and um, and their energy minister, who also happens to be the treasurer. Um, Actually, one of the reasons for that is that the cost of electricity in Western Australia is subsidised to buggery by the Mm. state government because Mm. they've always disguised the true cost of it and it's mostly a coal and gas grid. And up until recently, they're subsidising one third of the cost. Everyone was saying, oh, look, WA's got cheaper cheaper electricity costs, but they were subsidising it to buggery and it was actually costing about $500 million a year Mm -hmm. for one million consumers. And work that out, that's $500 a year subsidies to, to the consumers. So... What they've done now is that they've winding down those subsidies. Um, that means that the true cost of electricity comes through, which mm-hmm. provides an extra incentive to find your alternative, which of course is rooftop solar and other things. That's right. It's called a, it's the death spiral in you know in action, isn't it? Really? Uh, absolutely. Well, the true costs, and you take away all these hidden subsidies, yep. which uh, no one likes to admit to. Yep. Anyway, um, Dudway is an interesting place because AEMO, the market operator, has forecast that within a decade they're going to get to the stage where there's so much rooftop solar at certain days during um, of, of low demand, rooftop solar is going to be the of minimum demand, which means that when you go much further than that, then you're going to have to either spill it or store it or do something. And um, and that's where we come back to um, Ben Wyatt, the Treasurer and Energy Minister, and he's come up with this idea they're actually going to rethink the feed-in tariffs, including some of them which are locked in for about 10 years, and come up with an incentive for battery storage. And that's going to be really interesting to see what he comes up with, and it's it's probably a good thing. It's a great thing. And, and you know, WA's a, a great little market in the sense that, you know, a fairly small number of consumers, relatively, so, you know, pretty good place to play, and you're not going to break too many things. Um, secondly, their resources, um, in, in all respects, are, are, are huge over there, particularly wind and particularly solar. So, you know, great opportunity, um, especially with the bulk of the population around um, around Perth, not too far out of town, there's a great opportunity to do something pretty cool there. So, um, uh, and, and you know, what we know um, absolutely from history over and over again is if you put a rebate, you put a signal in that market, consumers will respond. So if they want to put batteries in that market, they're really genuine about this, um, uh, it'll happen. 
And look, it goes back to something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in the last episode when ACCC Chairman Rod Sin just came up with this sort of mind-numbingly um, stupid idea of just sort of getting rid of subsidies just for the hell of it because it was costing people 30 cents a week. Um, we're seeing, thankfully, some of the state governments actually putting their thinking cap on and say, we don't have to ditch these sub subsidies. You've actually just got to recalibrate them to make sure that they're actually doing the right thing and encouraging the right sort of technology and the right sort of outcomes for everybody. Because as we've seen from the CSIRO report and the Networks report, if you do have a distributed future and you do it properly, you can actually save, well I think the CSIRO was $100 billion over the next 30, 30 years in infrastructure. Um, that's a better outcome than trying to save 30 cents a week. It certainly is. And, and, and you know, we, we know there's a willingness for consumers to pay for this infrastructure, which can benefit the whole community. Um, you know, put aside the, the BS that we hear about the problems that solar causes, um, by and large, uh, any technical problems are, are well and truly uh, under control by virtue of regulation and, and technical requirements um, that seem to add up by the day. So, you know, it's, it's uh, extremely difficult to put a solar system in now that's going to not do exactly what the networks want them to do. Um, but of course, w what you also have is the ability of consumers, the average system size is up now around seven kilowatts, which is just huge. And you know that they're going to be potentially able to spill that in a productive way that the whole community can benefit from. And guess what? They'll pay for it. Absolutely, and it's in the interest network. I was in, in, in the interest network. It's in the network's interest um, to actually get this right because it was interesting to note Audrey Zieberman from the Australian Energy Market Operator yesterday, and she concluded in one of her remarks that we're moving down the technology curve fast, and consumers have something they didn't have before, and that's a technology alternative, and they can simply vote with their feet if they don't like what they see on the main grid. Correct, and and they're doing it. They're doing it. You know, and and, and all the rhetoric aside, um, you know, the numbers uh, that I saw the other day that have come out about where the industry is at, it's, you know, all, all the argument, all the debate, all of those kinds of things are utterly irrelevant to people who want to reduce their power bill and take a little bit more control, and they are voting with their wallets right now, buying solar systems. So, Nigel, look, while you were getting your medal um, yesterday and being carried around with a sedan chair, I was, um, I, was, I was actually sort of busy going around and talking to people, and um, I caught up with the uh, Chief Executive of uh, Canadian Solar, um, Sean Q, who's a really interesting fellow, and um, had a bit of a chat uh, about the state of the industry worldwide and in Australia, and um, this is what he said. I pressed the wrong button. Okay. Sean Q, Chief Executive of Canadian Solar, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, thank you, and uh, it's my pleasure to uh, come here and uh, sitting in this uh, beautiful uh, Darling Harbour uh, in Sydney. Yes, well, we're here, you're here at the uh, Clean Energy Summit in, in Sydney, which is being held this week, and, um, and uh, visiting operations in Australia. Look, let's just start off with a bit of an outlook for the solar industry globally and in Australia. Where, where are we at now? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I started my career in solar in 1996. So I have been in this industry for 22 years. I have seen uh, the development of this industry for all these 22 years. And uh, then I founded Canadian Solar 18 years ago. So 18 years, uh, Canadian Solar have seen a lot of leaps and bounces in the uh, industry. Uh, I remember uh, back 20 years ago, uh, in 1998, uh, the worldwide solar installation, annual installation in that year, was uh, less than 100 megawatt. I remember that year because 1998 was the last time French won the Soccer World Cup. And also because I was working in a solar company in French 
in uh, Lyon at that point. And that was three years before I started Canadian Solar, my own company. So 20 years later, French won World Cup, Solar World Cup again. And uh, solar achieved uh, 100 gigawatt of annual installation. So uh, 20 years, one thousand time growth. We have played a very great game. Indeed, it makes me wonder that the next time the French win the World Cup, which might be in 20 years' time, then perhaps the world will be completely powered by solar or largely powered by solar. Do you think that's the, a, a possibility? Oh, that's an interesting question. Maybe uh, we will not only populate the world with solar, we will also populate the Mars with uh, solar. <laughs> Look, one of the key things for solar, I guess, is its stunning price fall over the last, say, 10 or 20 years. I mean, it's probably 90% or 95% now. Can you give us some sort of picture about where it is at the moment? And um, is that the big driver for the solar industry at the moment? Or is it climate change, respon climate change response? Or is it just down to simple economics? That's another interesting question. Uh, I want to do this 20-year uh, comparison again. Uh, back 20 years ago, a uh, solar panel will probably sold at uh, five, six dollars per watt, and uh, today, uh, around 30 cents per watt, depending on the type of solar panels. You know, some low-power solar panels uh, will fetch a little bit less. Uh, the high-power, high-yield solar panels, such as Canadian solar solar panels, will fetch a few cents more, but provide you an even better LCOE. LCOE means levelize the cost of electricity. So this, this trend is marvelous. With this trend and also with the continuous cost down uh, and the continuous increase on the energy generation from the same footprint, right, same solar systems, I think the cost of solar will continue to go down and solar will become uh, even more affordable. What about the specifically the outlook in the Australian market? Because um, we're going through a period now of um, a big build-out in solar farms. Do you expect that to continue, or do you, are you worried about sort of policy uncertainty? Um, what, what's the outlook? Uh, Canadian solar entered Australian market about 10 years ago. and We set up our office in 2011. The last time I visited uh, Australia was in... Uh, in October of uh, 2013, right? So from 2013, I see the Australian market change a lot. Uh, back in 2013, uh, the Australian market is in a transition. Uh, the uh, residential uh, incentive uh, was just ended, and the utility-scale solar is, is still being developed. Uh, and now the market become very different. And last year, uh, the accumulated installation in Australia uh, reached uh, around 1.3, 1.4 gigawatt. That's without counting the behind meter. Mm. Looks like the behind meter, there's no clear number yet. Now this year, I was told that uh, we will see 2.6 times more installation compared with 2017. So uh, Australia is uh, seeing some uh, tremendous growth of uh, solar energies. Mm. 
We read a lot about tariff wars. I don't think that they we see them here in Australia. It's more between the sort of the two big economies in the world and, and, and China and Australia, in, and the US, sorry. Um, how is that affecting your business? And what are the implications for Australian consumers? I mean, are we can we expect to see a surplus of capacity um, coming into the market here? Um, can you give us a bit of an overview on that? Uh, Canadian Solar, we are a Canadian company, but we manufacture in seven uh seven countries or regions so uh, we are quite global we spread out so by nature we favor uh, free trade rather than tariffs we don't think tariff helps uh, anybody uh, a few years ago i think back in 2010 2011 somebody in australia also proposed uh, some kind of tariff which was stupid so I think then uh, Australia made a good decision, the right decision of uh, stick to, uh, to the free trade uh, policy. So that's how uh, we see, uh, we see uh, the uh, development of uh, solar market and also wind market in uh, Australia uh, right now. I think the uh, free trade uh, uh, policies, uh, free and fair trade policies certainly benefit Australia and uh, a benefited citizen of uh, Australia. Where are we seeing the cost reductions in solar now? Is it through scale, through manufacturing, or is it coming through efficiency gains and improvements in the actual technology? Okay, uh, that's a good question. Uh, Canadian Solar produced uh, seven gigawatt, produced and shipped seven, almost seven gigawatt of solar panels last year. Uh, that's about 7% of worldwide market share. So um, we have the authority to, uh, to uh, comment on this question. Uh, the cost reduction come from uh, efficiency gain. Efficiency gain contribute a lot. If from the same piece of uh, silicon wafer, uh, or let's say the same size of solar modules, you can produce uh, 300 watt that's today's uh, numbers uh, rather than 240 250 watt now of course your costs go down I uh, use this number because back in 2013 that was my last trip to uh, Australia uh, our solar panels were like 240 250 watt but today uh, if we don't sell you 300 watt panel I will be embarrassed to even say that. Uh, so that's how much improvement. And the second improvement is on the, um, um, is by use less material. For example, the wafer, the silicon wafer are cut thinner and thinner. And we're also using the so-called diamond wire saw rather than the sterile wire saw. So the curve loss when you cut the wafer dramatically reduced. So you reduce the use of materials. Uh, when you produce the solar cell, solar module. That's also a great, great improvement. And the third factor is the uh, scale of economy. For example, the upstream polysilicon, the high purity polysilicon supply. Uh, that supply increased a lot, and that helps to reduce the cost of the, our raw material as well. Mm. So how low can we go in solar? Um, Martin Green from the United, uh, University of New South Wales, a great solar pioneer um, in Australia, talks about one cent a kilowatt hour electricity for solar sometime in the 2020s. Do you think we can get that low in, in, in effect? 
Oh, uh, I was with uh, Martin Green uh, on Monday. Uh, he didn't say that to me. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, um, it's difficult to comment. Um, uh, I think it depends on location. If you have very good sunshine, very good sunshine, and uh, so uh, low um, uh, installation cost, let's say if the uh, land costs you nothing, um, uh, and also if the financing cost is low, and plus the high technology, maybe you can get close. Uh, for example, last year, in a uh, solar auction in uh, Saudi Arabia, the lowest bid came to 1.7 cents per kilowatt hour. Yes. So 1.7 cents, that's getting close. Yes. But uh, that's on a piece of desert which the government gave you free. And interconnection is free. And uh, we, you know, the uh, solar developers have developed a uh, some very like fantastic technology. For example, we feature uh, our bifacial solar modules. In the bifacial solar module, bifacial solar module not only generate electricity from the front side, but also from the back side, using the reflected and diffuse light. And this tech, new technology can increase the energy production by a big margin, but from the same footprint. Mm. So you combine all this technology and also the right condition, yes, you may have a chance to reach uh, one cent uh, per kilowatt hours, um, but you really don't need one cent per kilowatt hours. I think three to five cents per kilowatt hours for uh, most of the uh, countries in the world, you can already beat the coal-fired uh, power plants uh, hands-off. Sean Q, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And so that was Sean Q from Canadian Solar. Um, quite a character, isn't he? He's a, he's a really interesting fellow. I've been lucky to meet him a few times over the years. And, um, you know, he's, he's watched the whole um, ups and downs of the industry. And, um, you know, it's still tough out there. Uh, there were some new numbers that came out the other day, actually, on where the industry is up to in, in terms of um, PV manufacturing. Interesting to see that Jinko Solar maintained its place as the largest module manufacturer in 2017. But really, to give you some context around that, they, they produce six and a half gigawatts of solar panels. That's a lot. Uh, that's a gig up on, on the previous year. But what's more interesting, really, is that just a few years before, in 2011, five, six years before, that would have been half the entire production of the world. So we've now got these super manufacturers who are really scaling up. I mean, it is a commodity scale game now. So, you know, just a few years have gone by and, 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 and here we are. Interestingly, they are profitable. They publish their profit numbers. Uh, they're down a little bit, um, but their volume's up. So, you know, everyone seems fairly happy that they're in an okay place. On the other hand, we're, we've also uh, seen in the, in the numbers that Ying Li have slipped um, quite a bit. Um, uh, but more importantly, um, they're really grappling with profitability. And in fact, in their uh, financial statements, they make a statement that, uh, that says, and I quote, substantial doubt exists as to the company's ability to continue as a going concern. And, and they produce three gigawatts. So just because you're big doesn't mean you're going to survive. Um, just because you've been around doesn't mean you're going to survive. So it's clearly extremely tough out there. Um, they also talked in this report about a whole lot of um, 
technological evolution. Uh, in summary, half-cut cell um, is starting to ramp up fairly fast. We're seeing a number of manufacturers now using half-cut cells, um, bifacial, uh, five, six, or multi-bus bar modules, and also shingled modules, which we're starting to see a little bit of appearing. And the other thing that was really interesting is that demand for higher efficiency products just keeps going up year over year after year. Um, uh, so the costs and prices of high efficiency modules uh, are, are not preventing the growth in that part of the market, which is great news, because that means consumers are happy to pay for a little bit more for true high performance products. So interesting to see what's going on up there. And you know, Sean's interview really kind of highlighted some of the issues they're facing. Half cut and shingled. Um, it makes me think they might have come up with these names in, the, in a pub or maybe after your ceremony last night. <laughs> we, we had more, but we'll talk about them quietly later. <laughs> Look, there's been a couple of, um, um, you just brought to my attention before we did this, um, a couple of uh, recent failures, including a couple of people, which is a real shame because they're doing some great, great work. A Barefoot mm. Power, which is a yeah. little Australian outfit um, who I interviewed a couple of years ago, and we're doing a lot of work um, bringing solar to the masses in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that was a a real sad one and I mean every 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 time you see a business who's who's in trouble um, it's always sad um, no matter who they are but I agree barefoot I've been watching them quite closely and in my early days I was doing some rural electrification stuff and uh, you know it, what they, these guys were changing people's lives so it's a it's a real shame I hope they can uh, reinvent themselves or find a way to come back perhaps some of their overseas entities may still exist I'm not quite sure we also saw um, a really good installer, um, some great guys from a, a company called um, Solarcraft up in Brisbane who've, who've gone under, it would appear. Um, so, you know, no doubt, even, and this, I keep saying this, even in the boom times, uh, you know, with the competition that's out there now, it is really, really tough. And, and when you, it's why I get so angry about you know, 40 cents a watt solar systems, that is not doing the industry any good. Um, and um, it puts pressure on companies who are really trying to do the right, the right thing. So, you know, still tough out there. And the old Aretha Franklin song, um, manage that cash flow. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know that one. <laughs> Time to move on from the solar industry. No, no you, don't want me to get to, you don't want me to sing at all. Um, look, um, I do remember being in the choir in year three, and um, it was a very nice choir teacher, and we all wore blue frocks, and I was told to stand up the back and move my mouth and not to dare to utter a single oh, sound. Oh, really? Really? Well, as you know, my wife... You could uh, probably sue people for that now. You probably could. You could probably could. But my wife, wife runs a very successful pub choir, so we may have to get you down into one of the pub choirs because they are a, a lot of fun. That sounds like a really good idea. I did get a lesson, a couple of lessons actually, when I um, moved north a couple of years ago, and I was actually told I could sing in tune, but I'm not going to really? prove it right now. So, hundredth episodes, our one year anniversary. I beg your pardon, hundredth episode. One year anniversary is coming up. We'll, we'll, we'll have to put something together. If we can find a listener out there to write the lyrics, we'll, we'll do something. There you go. Someone, there's the challenge, listeners. Look, let's just finish off with some EV news. And one question I had to ask you, um, one of the uh, most read stories on our website in the last couple of days has been about the Harley-Davidson electric bike. Yes. Would you ride one? Or would you buy one? I, I, I would absolutely. I'd ride anything electric. There's no doubt about that. And um, actually, I like what they've done. There's a couple of different models that they've released imagery of now. Um, it's not highly detailed yet. Um, and they have put out some of the specs on their sort of main uh, bike, um, the headline bike. I have to say I'm a bit disappointed, um, you know, when you look at the performance levels that are out there and available on electric bikes now, I'm a bit surprised that Harley 
have not done more. They, they have great tech, they've been hiring a bunch of really good people, um, according to the wires. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to have to lift their game a bit if they're really going to make this successful because by the time they bring that bike to market, they're talking about taking deposits from next month, I think, starting to take deposits very, very soon on some of them. Um, but the bikes won't be available for another year or so at least. Um, they're tooling up, they're getting ready, but um, by the time they get those bikes on the market, well, the competition's going to be um, uh, uh, ahead of them, I fear. So, you know, wait and see what the specs are. Look, I'm not a big bike rider, and um, ever since I crashed my Honda mini bike on the sand dunes <laughs> down south on the south coast um, <laughs> back in 1974, I think it was. Um, but the myth about, um, and I don't know if it's myth or, or real about um, Harley Davidsons, the impression you get is that people like to have a big throbbing giant between their legs and like the noise of it. So, what does that do when it makes no noise? Yeah, well, that's a really good point. And, and Harley did a ton of work on engineering the right noise characteristics into the bike. They did a world tour a year or two back when they uh, uh, first uh, thought about the idea and, and gave Harley owners uh, uh, around the world an opportunity to test ride the bike. Great feedback. And, and a, a number of people I know who are Harley owners were, were really impressed with what Harley had done. It was a good package. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but the, the thing that Harley keeps talking about is that they're customer base is changing dramatically it is not old gray-haired um long-bearded dudes riding harley so much now it is a younger crowd and and there's a whole new generation uh who they need to attract if they want to stay afloat and they're making no bones about it they're shifting they're pivoting their company right back towards a younger um demographic and so they think they can make it work and then and they're moving a huge amount of their focus across to it big pivot so you know hope they are successful Hipsters and Harleys, who would have thought? Hipsters and Harleys, that's right. <laughs> we'll wrap it up here, mate. Look, um, once again, congratulations on your award and fantastic recognition for all your work. And um, that's probably about the end of our live podcast down here at the Clean Energy Summit overlooking Darling Harbour. And uh, thanks to you all you out there, and um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And we should thank our sponsors, says Nigel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Solar Analytics and PV Cell. PV um, Cell. That's right. Yeah, we're actually going to have Warwick from Sunwiz on next time. Excellent. So that'll be a great, um, great chance to catch up with um, his perspective of the world. And um, thanks very much, Nigel. You're welcome, mate. Good to see you. Bye, everyone. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Sunwiz, makers of PV cell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.